This week on the Broom Boys, well, there's a tiny bit of news and a lot of fun. Join us for a huge ramble into the Star Wars universe and, well, some places beyond. It's a lot of fun, and we can't wait to share it with you. And welcome to another exciting episode of the Broom Boys with Buddy and Guy. I'm Guy. I'm Buddy, and I can't believe you used the word exciting. Okay, it's, yeah, you know, that was about the, the, the highlight of the show, guys, right there. So, listen to the rest of it for pity. Uh, it's, pity us. It's a slow, it's a slow, slow news week. It's the Memorial Day holiday. Um May the 4th has had its effect, and now we... I mean, you had to know it was coming. Yeah, yeah. This is, um... This is probably a little bit of just, uh... It's going to be a shooting the shit episode after we get through our little bit of news topics we want to talk about. Because we couldn't quite settle on a a theme for the episode. So we're just going to chit-chat and see where we land. Uh, So you're going to come on a journey with us right now that we don't even know where it's going to go. Um, so that could be fun, hopefully for you and for us, uh, or we'll all hate it and hate each other. And then just forget this ever happened. And we'll uh, never do it again, ever. And we can't promise that. We, we're, <laughs> I'm not going to promise that at all. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Anyways. So, uh, uh, how's everything going on your side of the nation? You know, uh, <laughs> we'll we'll see. I have no clue. It's crazy over in the where I'm at is is one of the it's all over the place right now. People are all doing crazy stuff, and some people are not doing crazy. It's like it's such a bizarre time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean that is for sure and fucking certain. That it is a bizarre fucking time. So yeah, so that's kind of I mean that's that's yeah that's the whole the whole of it here is there's there's just some crazy some not there's some good there's some bad there's uh, happy sad it's crazy that we're gonna you know the, at the hundred thousand mark for death that's that's fucking nuts and that's just the United States so that's eh. blah but. Yeah, yeah. How's things for you guys? Uh, I mean, we're open. Businesses that were once closed are now open. And, I mean, you're seeing less masks out in public. People, are, for the most part, are still wearing them. But you're starting to see where you would have that... Um, that outlier of somebody not wearing a mask. Now you're starting to see it's probably, you know, 10 to 20% of the people in, in any given grocery store aren't wearing masks anymore. Um, you know, it's, it's something resembling what it was, you know, a few months ago before COVID was a, was a thing. Uh, you know, like I got to go to my sporting goods store. We took uh, we took a little trip. I went into the sporting goods store and bought some bullets beca- and a holster for my uh, for one of the new guns I bought. 
we took uh, the boy into Target and got him some summer clothing and a toy helicopter because uh, he always gets a toy whenever we go into a department store because he's a spoiled little brat. Sam, I hope you listen to this when you're older. Um, <laughs> And then, you know, like we went to Home Depot and part of my wife's Mother's Day gift was I, I, I got her a raised garden bed. So, oh, but nice. we needed soil for said raised garden bed. So we went to Home Depot, which was overrun with people, overrun. And I would say out of all the stores I've visited, that one was the worst for face masks. I'm probably talking a 50-50 ratio. Yeah, 50, I didn't 50. end up going to ours today because of that whole the reason, dude. The it was it was a madhouse. I was just like, fuck it, not not touching that shit. Oh Let's yeah, no, it. it was it was nuts. So we ran in and we bought uh, we bought the the soil that we needed to fill up the planting bed, and went to Dairy Queen, got some lunch, ate it in the parking lot of the grocery store. Ran into the grocery store, bought bought dinner for the next couple of nights. Because we got a new grill that we've been playing around with a lot. So we're getting like nice high quality cuts of meat and whatnot for it. Um, I don't know. We'll see where we where we land with uh, with potential spiking of the of the diseases uh, and cases. I mean, we haven't been hit incredibly hard here because, yes, we have a pretty significant population. But I mean, we're we're talking like 50,000 in my county maybe Mm -hmm. so you know and even in spite of our proximity to new york and washington dc and philadelphia and pittsburgh and all these major population centers it hasn't swept like wildfire through here um but again you know it's one of these things we will just we'll see where we land here in a week or two uh i mean i will i'm not gonna lie though it was kind of nice having something resembling a normal outing into society right and I, I, you know I, there is there is obviously an argument for it and and all those things normalcy is is something that that can't be underrated I, I just I guess looking at things like my one of the ones that I thought was really interesting to look at and see um, was I saw a picture from a couple like a football game back in like during the flu pandemic and it was so it, now not there no football going on but everybody had a mask on like everybody everybody had a mask on like the cloth you know just a cloth mask over the face and so it, uh, are we talking like the the Spanish flu or are we talking mm-hmm. about the flu yeah. that hit in 1969 uh 1918 Spanish flu okay because you know I I saw a thing that in um you know and I think it was in 69 there was a big virus outbreak then too and that was one of the reasons Woodstock was thrown was kind of in defiance of this uh of this outbreak of this of this hey we're still alive we're gonna we're going to enjoy being alive. And that was part of the, uh, part of the, uh, impetus behind Woodstock being thrown. So, you know, I mean, who knows? Who knows? Right. All I know is I, Spanish, Spanish flu was really fucking bad though. It killed a lot of fucking people, including actually my great grandmother died to Spanish flu. 
So yeah, crazy. There's yeah. an interesting little thing you now know about me. Right? There you go. Fact time with Buddy. Yeah. Fact time. Yeah. With Buddy. And Anywho. No, it's, it's, so it's Anywho. Just stuff to just stuff. But yeah, yeah, that's that's yeah, well, all I can say is everybody stay safe. However you do you do you do do you and stay safe. Um but we're here to kind of roll on about star wars and at least the fun exciting news that we did get there was a couple but not fun not exciting not even fun and exciting news some of it's kind of yeah you know so there's a lot of you know there's a not a lot of stuff leaking out but there's stuff leaking out from like oh hey we were gonna do this in rise of skywalker but we didn't and apparently Ray building her lightsaber was supposed to be not a feature part of the film, but it was supposed to be explored in a little more depth instead of just the reveal of her having it at the end. You know, is that a news article worth talking about? It's worth a mention, which is what I did, but I'm not going to waste any more breath on something that we didn't see and will never see. It was a cool uh, to look at the the cage and everything. It was cool to see the the yeah. prop concept art. The concept art and the prop is awesome, but you know, Ian, it's it's never gonna it never hit celluloid or whatever film is made of now. Um, pixels, so, I think. Yeah, right. <laughs> bits, um, bits. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, so we do have uh, one rumor. That I think is worth discussing, and then one bit of sad news. Uh, so the rumor that we're going to discuss before we we launch into our sad news is uh, apparently, maybe, possibly, Jin Darn will be revealed as being force sensitive in season two of The Mandalorian. Your thoughts, mm. Mister Guy? I put some I put some time in this here this here um conundrum. See how I did that? It's like I said it all in it's te- a intellectual like. Okay. Uh well uh, I don't you sounded like a farmer to me, but what? you know <clears throat> I'll put some think of fan into this conundrum. I do good. <laughs> right here. Some thinkification. Um, my thing <laughs> thinkification, I'll be smarting it. Um, but so, since Tuesday last, I've been thinking of this. It's been my, I've been cooking egg after egg. It's been good. I ate, ate good. Boom. All right, um, go. What do you, what's, what's your thunk? So, my thunk in this is, it would not be a stretch. I mean, the dark saber, having the dark saber in it would not make this somehow... A, a crazy push past, I, I would say, any kind of Star Wars story uh, to have him force sensitive because the Dark Saber story is rooted obviously in the very first Mandalorian Jedi. So if Dinjarin's actually like blood Mandalorian, right? Like he is from Mandalore in the history. Then at that point in time, he could be an ancestor of, say, I mean, or descendant, a descendant of of the original. Uh, what did we say his name was? I don't know. Tar something Vizsla. 
Yeah, Vizsla. Ter- Terry Vizsla, I think. So, maybe. right. So maybe maybe he's either a descendant. Maybe he's just a force sensitive Mandalorian that ultimately will end up carrying the dark saber and becoming. Uh, an actual Jedi. Maybe he's just force sensitive like Finn was in Rise of Skywalker, where he can just feel the shit, but he's not actually force uh, force proficient. I guess I don't know. How would you? How would you say? Uh, that? I don't know. The force is a river from which many can drink, and not everybody drink it the same way. So force right. sensitive doesn't automatically equal Jedi, folks. So I mean. So there, I think that's just we know yeah. what we know from what Giancarlo Esposito has said is that apparently he has used his dark saber prop to great effect in filming of the Mandalorian season two because he <laughs> broke like three and a half of them. Um, I love it. So, so that dark saber is getting banged up against something. So is it Ahsoka's lightsabers? Because it's the dark saber is a lightsaber. So there's only certain weapons that can resist lightsabers and unless they are bringing cortosis back into canon then it's just going to be a lightsaber so are we going to be satisfied as fans seeing jindarn on the sidelines while ahsoka takes on and possibly takes down gideon or are we going to see our our favorite new bounty hunter picking up a weapon capable of of going toe-to-toe with the dark saber don't know (coughs) Don't even know that it's canon. Don't even know that it's canon that you need to be force sensitive to be able to use a lightsaber effectively. In fact, I think it's probably not. I don't think it is anymore. Finn used it uh, to. uh, But Finn's force sensitive. Well, Han used it to cut open a tauntaun. But Finn used it it to fight Kylo Ren. Yeah. Which we won't get into that. But does that mean Gideon is force sensitive too? So I'm just I like I don't know that you need to be four cents, and I don't know that and that that's I actually I uh, one of the earlier episodes when we we talked about this and talked about the dark saber and oh my god that they revealed that in the last episode I think it was our Mandalorian last fi- season finale episode, um, but. I remember saying that I thought Gideon was a Force user. Now I just am one. I don't know that he is or even Force sensitive. I just uh, the dark saber has been used uh, through House Vizsla ultimately, and now it's in House Ren, or was, and now Gideon has it for whoever knows what who he is and how he fits into the whole Mandalorian and dark saber story, but. It doesn't mean he can use it. It's like Sabine. Sabine, she had it. Sabine Wren. So if she had it, and is she force sensitive? Is she a Jedi? She not either of those, as far as I know. Um, so and but we are also hearing news of just beyond Ahsoka. But isn't like other rebels care? Aren't other rebels characters coming? Like uh, possibly Ezra or what's the other guy's name? Canon. Can't current. Colonel Kanan Kanan Jarrus, yeah, Kanan that guy. Jarrus, Freddie Freddie Prince Jr.'s character, absolutely yes, and so and he's come he as he potentially coming to the Mandalorian, uh, and even if they get their own live action show, which I think is is highly likely, especially if the so Rosario Dawson rates highly. Uh, Which she will. 
so as long as they they get good good ratings, I I can only see that that they'll spawn the live action show, and I think that's part of it. They're they're they there's either two competing camps releasing their different visions, or they're just kind of getting their feelers out there. So we'll see. Uh, having seen what that the last episode of the gallery, it's like I'm feeling. I don't know. Uh, maybe, hopefully, they're. I don't know. We'll see what's Ken. What what hope there is for Kennedy in the future. So we'll we'll say that we'll get into all that. I think soon enough. Anyway, right? We'll talk about that. Probably, but, probably, um, probably, probably. Anyway, uh, but so, Dinjar, yeah, I don't yeah. have a I don't have a thought on it one way or the other. I don't really care. I don't. If I had to choose, put a gun to my head, say, decide yes or no, do you want him to be force sensitive? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. Because not every cool character in the Star Wars universe needs to be a Jedi or a Sith I, or a force user or whatever. And Can I offer char- something? You can if you let me finish. If okay, you don't let me well, finish, you can't offer. Fine. That's my rules. I'm planting okay. my flag. I'm drawing the line in the sand. Um, <laughs> I won't cross. Okay, I'm finished. Okay, I'm finished. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Um, I'm a dick. So, I'm drinking a lot tonight. It's good. I love it. I love it. <laughs> uh, Did Jaren? So let's say let's Favreau wrote it, and you've been presented with what you are. Are you gonna? It's like, do you think? I feel like no matter what happens. With Favreau writing this shit, the way he's written it so far, if he writes it in there that way, there's going to be a reason. There's going to be a lot of stuff behind it, and you're, it's just going to be one of those moments that you just say, oh, "I wanted it to happen because he's going to, he's going to do stuff that is going to make you want it to happen if it's going to happen. If it's not going to happen, he's going to make you want." Dinjarin to be more like the Han Solo or the non-force using badass. He's going to make you because he's going to write the character true to itself. You know what I mean? Well, if we have a motto here at the Broom Boys podcast, it is in Favreau we trust. So whatever in Favreau we trust. So whatever Favs does with this, I'm I'm all for it. So I can um, salute that. I might take this the shot to that. Let's see, this is a drinking game episode, so um, all you creative fuckers out there, pick a pick a key word and take a shot whenever we say it. Do it. Do it. Or drink a beer or whatever. Whatever your take a hit of a bong, whatever your poison is. Um, just probably not do heroin, because I think that would kill you. Don't um, do that one. Don't do that one. And uh, don't do anything illegal, unless you can get away with it. Anyways, moving on. Uh, so bit of sad news. And unfortunately, you know, we've been having to do this a little more often and than I thought we would, but you know, maybe that's just a reflection on, uh, on my age, you know, as I'm, you know, we're a couple of 40 year old guys doing a podcast here, but, uh, there's a fairly, I would say fairly well-known photograph out there from the filming of a new hope. And it shows the the land speeder at um, Moss Eisley and Luke is standing by it and you see the droids in it. And then off to the right hand side, you see the crew filming it dead center in the crew. There is a fella 
in the shortest, tightest, pinkest pair of shorts you've ever seen a guy wear holding a boom mic. And by the way, that's all he's wearing is the tight pink shorts. And he's holding no a boom shoes, mic. No shirt. He's the yeah. he's the boom mic operator, and that's all he's wearing. Well, that oh guy's God. name was Ken Nightingall, or Ken Nightingall. I can't I can't quite decide how it's pronounced. I'm going to say Nightingall is how it's pronounced. Uh, he has unfortunately passed away. Mm-hmm. You know, every time I look at that, all I can see when I first look at it is a pair of sunburned butt cheeks. Like, I, I don't see him wearing a pair of shorts. I see him naked with, like, shaved butt cheeks that are just, like, bright pinkish red. And then I have to, then it's like, oh, my God. Oh, no, those are pink shorts. And it's like, I don't, my eyes do a trick, but it's like every time. I can't, I can't look at it another way. Uh, but anyway, so, Fake so. He's, Ken, he's a legend. Ken, yeah, he absolutely is legendary. He worked on a lot of James Bond movies. And he worked with a lot of very, 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 very famous luminaries of the stage and screen during his career. And he passed away at the age of 92. Mm. So I mean, good lord, what a what a life, right? Legendary, uh, yeah. Every the things he got to see as, as the the just I mean from where he entered the industry to where it what it became and where it went, um, and how he helped and what he did and all the people he worked with. It's like nobody has ever said. I mean, if you look at all the people that have said things as far in regards to him and his passing away it's like and you see how many people he worked with and touched and those kind of things it's it's really he has uh, what a career what a life what a career what a career what a life uh guy i need you to do something for me real quick man yeah vamp for 45 seconds all right, so now let's see if I remember correctly where we're going after this is the awesome uh, new gallery show, uh, Star Wars, the, well, the Disney Gallery, Star Wars, the making of the Mandalorian uh, season or episode four. They went into the technical side of the making of Star Wars, and I learned some cool shit. If you haven't seen that, if you haven't, don't know how The Mandalorian was filmed, you need to check it out. It the te- what they did was nothing short of George Lucas's spirit. Um, they took the technology that was available and they utilized it in a new way that pushed. The boundaries of what we have seen it's why everything that they do looks as amazing as it it does the 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 reason behind it is called the volume and they call it the volume and it's just basically a giant led room where they seamless led screens where they're able to project huge scenes um in three utilizing video game technology 
uh, to to render 3D environments onto these screens that look so real that when you they blend with the actual physical props, they're seamless. You you can't tell a difference, and it's it's just fucking amazing that what they what they were do, able to do and a huge now John Favreau obviously he credits uh, uh, Kathleen Kennedy for this because she, it was her ability to bring together like Lucasfilms and I, uh, ILM uh, together and get everybody working together to kind of push this new idea this new development in the the visual production but I think in my mind that's one of the reasons why we stand so firmly and so behind Favreau and what he does is because he has that same kind of vision that George did when it comes to pushing the boundaries of what you can do with effects. And how or how finding the way to do what he wants to do with the effects. And taking existing technology and uh, and rolling with it. I don't know if that was forty five yeah. seconds. It felt like it could have been more, but uh, I have no clue. But it's well, welcome back. Yeah, and that's yeah, that is exactly what I was saying. Is and that's. But I also think that in, con- in conjunction with Filoni, that's what makes the Mandalorian also so good. Is because Filoni is that encyclopedia of Star Wars knowledge. George. Has I mean George Lucas has a big up on everybody when it comes to Star Wars knowledge because he it was his creation brain that developed it so I mean you make it and it's kind of you make it it's what you say it is and then even when they went and they took away the eu it's still everything in the original films that he created that he named that he developed were still as real as they were when he first created them so it's sort of like he knows more than anybody and then feloni is I, I as far as i can tell i mean minus the guy at home sitting around thinking that could be me i know that much so go out and do Filoni's job, and uh, yeah, I, I I don't think it translates as well. But he's the dude in the industry that 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 knows the shit that well. He's that geeky guy that that knows anything and everything, and not just the trivia, but. George Lucas said this, and well, how they did the lighting or how they did this on that, and he's the one that knows those little intricacies, and that being able to share that at the right and crucial moments in development translates to the the masterpiece that we're getting. Um, I think it's that team. I, I really the team is is uh, there's not one cog in the and at least that wheel so far or the the. Maybe it's like more like John Favreau and and uh, Dave Filoni are more like to me like uh, Han Solo and and Chewie. You know. Um. You know, there's little doubt in my mind that they took great care in picking every single element, uh, every single person, every single piece of equipment 
to perfection for this show. Uh, from from the lowest grip to the the number one lead on the call sheet, Pedro Pascal. Without all of those elements aligning perfectly and clicking together, I don't think we would have the magical show that we have. Um, I I really am enjoying these uh, Disney Gallery episodes on The Mandalorian. As, even if this one was a little more on the technology side of the house, um, it was still fascinating. I sat there multiple times. I'm like, honey, telling my wife, I'm yelling at her, honey, 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 look at this. Look at what they're doing. Look at how. What uh, Carl Weathers said when he was talking about it. Was it Carl Weathers? Uh, I don't remember exactly who it was. Gosh, uh, I think it was him. Anyway, he was saying that it takes these moments that everybody used to have to make it up when it's a green screen, blue screen, those kind of things. You had to, your focal points, all those kind of things, they were kind of imagined. And so, so sometimes people don't imagine the same thing. And then having it yeah. there before you, right there. Like, the, and it, you're looking at things and somebody sees something and all of a sudden they point to it and you all look at the same thing and you all react to it this, in the same way, just different, like how, you're, how you would react to it. But you all look at the same thing. And it's all, it brings everybody into not just this make-believe world, but all of a sudden it brings everybody into this entire, this world that they're all part of. They're all on the same boat. And that was, that was, they mentioned that too. It's like, it, it, it's, it creates this ability to film the scenes. Like it, it's pushes technology back to filming scenes. Like you're actually on location. So it makes it more like traditional film, traditional film versus uh, using CGI and other things like that. So it puts it back like they were film, they have been filming and were filming for the last hundred years or whatever. I mean, and, and takes that idea and translates it to a different medium and environment, but you're able to use it all this, all the same uh, skills, all the same techniques and you're now able to not actually be where you are i mean they used a video game engine well i mean they used the video game engine epic i mean epic is behind right. a lot of some heavy heavy stuff um but a video game engine and why they used it i mean i playing video games you got to understand why It's like that ability, to, that millisecond, that that turnaround that of of what do they call it? Live stream. The turnaround of live stream is is ridiculous. You need it when you're you're online gaming. Without it, you're fucked. You know. Uh yeah. Sorry, my my headset freaked out for a second. It's back. Uh, oh, repeat no your question. Ultimately, no, no, I was just saying that online gaming, that, that whole idea that they, because they used a video game engine and how quickly it computes specifically w where you are in real time and what it can do for filming that way, 
they utilize that. And you have to have that. It's like uh, running around in World of Warcraft or, or Call of Duty. Could you imagine not knowing where you really were on a Call of Duty map and you think you're in one place and you get shot halfway across the map just because fucking rendering and all these things is going wrong? Well, I mean, so, that, that does happen. Um, unfortunately, it happens quite a bit. Um, that's more internet connection now it than is, it, it, it is, is processor. It is, it is for sure. Um, you know, but, but the I mean, ability but to do that, but you're and loading that... into a pre-rendered environment, and the only thing that they have to render is the uh, it has is your system is rendering your character, and everything everything is meshing on the upload. You know. And that's what they did, yeah. They they did the whole picture ca- capture everything in an environment, take pictures, and then digitally represent it. Like they, as far as I understood it, what they did is they went out to location, and they just did like uh, what you would do if you were mapping the floor of the ocean. They took all these detailed pictures of it, not sonar, obviously, but took detailed pictures of it and then created an entire three-day environment of those locations. And then they took the set and literally were able to drag it wherever they wanted in the environment, turn it, turn it, just completely just tweak it how they wanted it for the scene. And then they acted the scene and say they wanted something a little bit different. Then they had, they just, they literally went to the screen, repositioned the objects, and and were able to re, reshoot it. It just like they were on location. It was, it was absolutely mind blowing. It was like absolutely, I was inspired. Oh yeah, no, it's it's it, nerd fucking tastic. That technology, huh. and I'm pretty sure they whether that was their intent or not they're revolutionizing the film and television industry with what they did on the mandalorian it's being revolutionized i like that they call it george's garage yeah and uh you know maybe maybe not to uh to break away from the topic of the the disney gallery episode but I have to say, when they were highlighting George there in the last ten minutes, I got uh, I got a little bit uh, emotional about that, where because I felt like they were paying, um, they were giving George his propers, um, you know, in a very very similar fashion to, uh, you know, when people would do that for Stan Lee in relation to the Marvel movies, as Stan created all these characters and Stan brought these worlds to life with his words and. You know, and all this other stuff, and uh, George should be honored that way. He dude. should be no, because he. he I mean, should when you want, very much when you want to look at, you know, did Stan Lee create the Marvel universe? He created a lot of pieces of it for sure, but uh, George Lucas literally created the Star Wars universe. Lucas Films. All of it, Indiana Jones. All of it, yeah, all of it. God, I, I would, I would say George Lucas. It's very hard to compare him and Stanley just because of the, uh, the medium. Stanley was in comics, you know, putting com. He could pump out comics left and left and left and right and right and right and boom, boom, boom. Comic, 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 comic. You know, and George obviously came to the, 
to the biz well after Stan had already been well established in the comic book biz. But I mean, George created something as big, if not bigger than Stanley. Could I posit an idea? They, they both created, I mean, in a, in a way, especially now with how the star Wars universe is, but they they both created a universe. No, absolutely. It's not that they absolutely. both developed 100% of it. It's not that they both made it and all of it. But they made it. They're the ones that created it. They started it. Anybody that comes after that, that populates it, it doesn't change who created that original universe. And and that's where I would ultimately say. And I know, I know Stan Lee obviously had his help with Dick and all those other guys. But at the same time, there's a name behind it and a name you attach to it. When you look at Marvel, you attach Stan Lee. When you look at Star Wars, you attach George Lucas. Oh yeah, well I mean, because you look at uh, look at like Timothy Zahn created. Grand Admiral Thrawn, he created Mara Jade, he created a lot of staples of the Star Wars universe. Um, you know, Favreau created the Mandalorian and Baby Yoda and Cara Dune and Grief Karga and Moff Gideon. And, you know, yes, people are adding and have added to both universes. Uh, but at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you know who it belongs to. Uh, Even yeah. if it's not on a piece of paper and it's not legal ownership. I'm sorry, George will, George Lucas is the owner and creator of the Star Wars universe. And maybe he doesn't have control of it now, but he's the dude. Yeah, well, and I mean, I'm just, my whole, my whole point to all of this was, is I think you have to put George and Stan shoulder to shoulder. I think they, Agreed. I think they have to stand side by side. And at the end of the day, you know what they also created? Both those guys, they created billions of fucking dollars for Disney. <laughs> so, I mean... <laughs> Disney can kiss their ass, literally, and be like, thank you. Thank you, guys. You guys are beautiful. Well, now, this to be fair... This is the prettiest ass chick I've ever kissed. Disney also spent billions of dollars to acquire the properties, but um, we know they've made out beautiful. pretty good with Marvel. And they're making oh, out God. pretty good with Star Wars. Can I just say that both, in my mind, both are because of Favreau. They are. But it's because both times he's... It, okay, Iron Man. Well, Iron Man... He was doing yes. what Lucas did in Iron Man. Yes. When he pushed the boundaries of what cinematically was possible. Well, but you also know... This is a little interesting factoid that if you've, if you've dove into any of the documentaries on Disney Plus about the Marvel Universe... He also gives a little bit of credit for Iron Man to Michael Bay for Transformers because he saw how they rendered the Transformers with the the way that the light was working with the hard metal. And he's like, oh, this is possible. I can do this. Um, right. Yes. Yes. I saw. And that was that was one of the like most influential parts for me, like to think that. To see, that was the first moment that I was like, Favreau has what George Lucas possessed in that pushing the medium 
the or the tech the 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 production technologies medium and how they do it how they operate it he's the guy that that looks at it and says well we've been doing it this way what if we try this i want to do it this way and everybody says no we can't do it that and he finally found somebody that was willing to say no 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 i've heard of this before and okay let's do this and then I think the other, whether you want to give her the, the, the props or not, Kathleen Kennedy was in the position to make it happen with uh, what ILM and Lucasfilms thing. Yeah, I mean, any, any way you try without to... Without her, it wouldn't have happened. Yeah, any way you try to, try to cut it, yeah, without Kathy Kennedy. And I know we're, we're pretty harsh on Kathy Kennedy here, and maybe some of it's justified and maybe some of it isn't. Um, but you know, propers where propers are due, uh, she certainly has some credit coming her way for the successes, uh, just in the same fashion that she has some of the blame coming her way for the, the misses or near misses. I think this gets into what you were talking about though the other week where you were saying that put her in a position that she excels. She's not doing well where she is, but obviously her being in the position to say this is a trigger to pull. She pulled the right trigger when saying when saying we need to listen to Fav uh, Favreau and we need to do these things and she without her ability to pull those people together and pull those projects together, if she didn't believe in his vision, she wouldn't have done it. That's a very, very good point. Very good point. Um, and so give her give her what... If she's been behind those moments of saying, this is a good idea, this is a bad idea, then let her be in the decision chair of pulling the trigger, but take away the making... Take, take away the decision and all those choices. The creative. Take away, take away the creative. Yeah. The creative is the word you're, you're, you're searching for. Yes. Get her out of the creative seat and get her... Get her where her strengths are, um, which is basically because, making yeah, shit happen behind it. the scenes. I mean, honestly, and that's that's a super important role in almost every single job you will ever do in your life, whether you're a cook or or a, a lawyer or a county clerk or a soldier or a doctor. There's people behind the scenes that make your job possible that without those people, your job won't work. And she did it for George. She can do, but that's just it. Rather than have her in George's seat, put somebody else in George's seat and allow her to do what she did for George Lucas for somebody else. Well, you mean put Favreau and, or Filoni in the seat? Let's not let's yeah. not mince words. Put them both in the seat. Put them both in the seat because I think they are. The, one doesn't succeed without the other. I they and I don't mean certainly I making, don't mean that in a bad way. No, they're 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 a wonderful team because they both they both bring something to the table that the the other one doesn't have, but they don't do it with ego. It's not like one of them is trying to whip out their bigger oh I've got a bigger Star Wars knowledge dick or I've got a bigger technical knowledge dick. They're not comparing dicks. They're like hey. How do we make this let's work? Let's make this go. Let's let's get this done. Let's create something wonderful. And, uh, you know, they're doing it. And, I mean, we are at the end of the month of May. So that means we are four months away from seeing Mando Season 2. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's coming. It, it can't get here quick enough. No, dude, and I, I at least am thankful for the gallery shows for that. Oh, the reason, gallery show at least is it's something. wonderful. I didn't think I would enjoy the documentary as much as I did, or or as much as I. It am. made me watch other Disney documentaries. I've watched so many goddamn Disney documentaries now because of that fucking show. Well, that's fucking one of us, bro. Because like what I've watched on this long weekend has been. Um, I watched Gross Point Blank because it was on HBO Now. Because mm-hmm. oh yeah, so it's a little sidebar here, a little sidebar here. Um, cause you're a comic book guy. I'm a comic book guy. I know you're, no, you're more Marvel. Mm-hmm. I think I'm, I'm equally Marvel in DC, but you know, you probably heard the news. Uh, I'm Marvel DC. You probably heard I... the news that they're doing the Zack yes, Snyder cut of Justice League. So that made me pull the trigger on getting, uh, HBO max. So I, I pulled the trigger on that. So I was, I was taking advantage of my, uh, of my subscription and nice. watching some movies. So I watched Gross Point Blank, classic movie with uh, John Cusack and Minnie Driver and Dan Aykroyd. Mm-hmm. And then I watched Jaws. Because uh, why the fuck not? You don't need a reason to watch Jaws. You just watch fucking Jaws. Um, and God, I love that fucking movie so fucking much. Anyways, I lost... Still holds up, I, Oh, no, forever. That movie will forever hold up... If only because of uh, Roy Schneider, uh, Richard Dreyfus, and uh, Robert Shaw. If only because of Hooper and Chief Brody and Captain Quint. Um, the way they carry the last half of that movie. Before you really even... What was the story I heard about that movie? But Oh, well, anyway, I mean, there's a lot a, of stories about that movie. If you ever watch, who was it? Wasn't there somebody where that was incredibly dis like pissed? Was it Dreyfus? Uh, I think it was probably Shaw because he was drunk the whole time. Apparently, okay, okay. <laughs> Which I wouldn't want him any other way because if he turned in that performance, fucking hammered the whole time. I mean, it's perfect. Which was amazing. Yeah, God fucking. It was perfect. Oh, he died. It's Dude, like, I... but that gets into like Caddyshack and all the other ones that were absolutely completely ad libbed and not okay. Jaws wasn't ad lib, but the characters were like, what was it? Uh, um, John or uh, who am I thinking? Ah, uh, wow, John Arbuckle. John Arbuckle. Sorry, Garfield. sorry, sorry, no, sorry. That's Garfield. Right? No, no, that. <laughs> no, right? Uh, Bill Murray. Bill Murray. Anyway. Yes, Bill Murray's character. Was completely fucking just stoned <laughs> Which, the entire Coincidentally time enough, the enti- Bill Murray played Garfield. So, I mean. Right? That's why that's why the, the funny part of what you were saying is like, oh, fuck. I, I kept wanting to say Dan Aykroyd, but anyway, that that's a completely different movie. Oh, I fucking love Dan Aykroyd. Oh, right, Chevy Chase is another one. Yeah, it's like that was another one I was gonna say is Chevy Chase, but all all in that same famous SNL lineup, right? Yes, yes. The the OGs, the original. Um, what did they call them? The not ready for primetime players. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, going back to comic books, I have an issue of uh, of Spider Man. That I found at a flea market where it's Spider-Man meets the not ready for primetime players. And it's like a Spider-Man crossing over with the SNL cast. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's not worth nothing. It's not worth any fucking money, but it's a cool yeah, fucking but... comic. 
Spider-Man is obviously, and speak back to the whole Marvel DC thing, which we will get to with the Zack Snyder thing, because that's the whole full circle. How we ever see how we do that, guys? <laughs> anyway, Marvel, Spider-Man. That's that's my favorite fucking. Ever since I was a goddamn little kid, like barely ankle high, I I've loved Spider-Man. My pajamas, my stocking caps, Spider-Man. Uh, sadly, people even through school knew me, even now know me, for loving Spider-Man. What they don't know as well, though, my second favorite superhero isn't a superhero. He's a fucking badass normal man. That's fucking Batman, dude. I love Batman. He's like number two. Easily number two of my favorite freaking comic book heroes which i mean uh, not saying that your stance is is invalid by any means shape or form but i think a lot of people lean that same exact way as you where spider-man is one or spider-man is two but the top two are always spidey and batman right it, and it's funny that that is the case because that's but i don't know spider-man is like it's a nice story it's but i love that that whole line with great power comes great responsibility. Oh, it's a wonderful line. Kind of it's thing. it's a, um, it's amazing and it's I mean it's very rare that you can take a character and define them with just a simple sentence like that and maybe I think Spider-Man might be the only one that can actually lay claim to that. Um to have it such a yeah because that to Spider-Man is it's and I think it, it's a it's a, a nod to how well to how it was how it was written, not how well, but how it was written. And to have Uncle Ben die and leave Peter Parker with that, with great power comes great responsibility. And because of irresponsibility, have him die. It's just one of those lessons. I guess. So here here's something interesting. I'm going to I'm going to I heard this is not my thought. I'm not taking credit for it, but I'm mm-hmm. just repeating it. Uh So you may or may not know who Mark Bernardin is. But Mark Bernardin is a pretty prolific writer. He's a podcast host now with Kevin Smith along with others he does on his own. Um but he apparently had foisted the idea of of spider-man there being a spider-man that doesn't necessarily need to be white in fact spider-man a lot about spider-man stories suggests that he could actually or maybe even should actually be black and then brian michael bendis i believe created miles morales shortly after that but um so we had into the spider-verse the other year you know spectacular movie animated movie where we got all sorts of versions of spider-man love it to death um Actually, maybe my favorite um, Stanley cameo of all time was in that movie. Hold on, just real quick pause. Okay, uh, Glover. Uh, what's the not Daniel Donald Glover? Glover. His kid. Donald uh, Glover. Do- Donald. That was one of the primary reasons why they made Miles Morales. Yes, he was. He was part of it because he pushed for it. Um, he, well, he not even just pushed for it. He wanted to play. He wanted to be. Spider-Man and wanted to actually be Spider-Man in the films. There was a huge fan push for it. And what they realized in the moment of seeing that is exactly what you were saying is what they had already re- what what the guy had had already noticed is 
Spider-Man felt he could be anything and be could be anyone, but when he saw Glover, Donald Glover there and saw everything and saw the passion behind it and how much he loved Spider-Man, it was in that moment that he didn't just realize it's, and that it could be somebody he saw that somebody right but that's not actually the that's not actually where i was going with my miles morales creation story um mm-hmm. sorry so where i thought that was a cool part well so what what mark had said and i'm not, I'm not super familiar with miles in the comics so um you might have to tighten me up on this a little bit but um in the movie in the into the spider-verse movie um, you know, Aaron Davis, Miles' uncle, is the Prowler. And mm-hmm. he dies in Into the Spider-Verse. I don't know if he dies in any of the comics in any of Miles' origins. Mm-hmm. But Mark Bernard made the point that maybe in order for Spider-Man to be Spider-Man, he has to have an uncle die. Because that's two Spideys, two uncles. And, and here, into the... And yeah, and... What you'll find is into the Spider-Verse, what happens is there's always a Spider-Superhero in every universe. But that Spider-Superhero, it's not so much always loses an uncle, but they always lose not just an important loved one, but that influential loved one. That person that keeps them on the straight and narrow. And they always lose that person to... uh, preventable disaster one that they could have done that they could have and that's what makes them always push to never make those mistakes again never be selfish it's always everybody else before them because the time they did it they paid the ultimate price word all right all right us yeah so spider gwen all those yeah Anyhow, but that, yeah, that's, but absolutely they're, they're right. And I mean, the Miles Morales one, that, that entire one was really crazy because it was ultimate Spider-Man. It was the reboot of Spider-Man that, that happened in, and what they did is they killed Peter Parker. Um, Norm, the Green Goblin kills him and Miles Morales is ultimately left to pick up the mantle of a dead Spider-Man, like in the Spider-Verse. It's, it's, it was, yeah, it was really a crazy line. And then that was when they brought, they went through this whole into the Spider-Verse kind of storyline that saw the collapse of this Spider-Verse that brought all these different, continuities basically into line and they saved it and but i guess they traded miles's like the bad miles went to the ultimate universe or somewhere and then the good miles ended up in the 616 universe in the good old 616 so but yeah that's more spider-man than you I'll probably need to do. I don't know. Since this I, is I, I, I really, I really like into the spider verse, <laughs> but anyway, no. Yeah. So documentaries, um, mm-hmm. I'm really, really enjoying this Marvel, this Disney gallery of the Mandalorian. I think it's incredibly well made. I really like how, uh, how they're kind of deep diving 
on everything. Very informative. Um, and oh my God, what a sweetheart Gina Carino is. Every time she is on camera during that documentary, I just love her a little bit more. Um, and I've I've been a been a fan of hers since her MMA days. We're talking fifteen years now. But oh my God, what a what a doll! What an amazing woman she is. I'm I'm a giant fan. I can't can't say enough. Uh, her when she came on screen. I was like, not only was I really excited to, you know, that that it was her, but it was like, it was nice because what having daughters, right? And what an amazing female role model in my mind. Oh yeah, no, she's um, she's legit in every meaning of the word. She's legit. It. She was not over. She. I mean, she doesn't look. I don't know her look, everything about her just that it, it just I, I it's perfect. It's like it, it fits the role and it is also something I feel like is a good it's like it's not a, this some false fake little you know pretend dressed up uh, thing that I mean it's it doesn't give give a kid a false reality kind of if to to live up to it's like everybody trying to be in you know uh, a size zero if you're a girl or an Arnold Schwarzenegger if you're a boy it's it's very that's one thing about the show that I really also enjoy is it's very it's they don't cast these people that are what you would consider by Hollywood standards perfection oh yeah well like Pedro they cast real perfection Pedro is I mean, he's not, he's a, he's a handsome guy, obviously. Um, you know, and he's got, he's got a lot I, I of charisma. I love him. I think he's great. He's got a lot of charisma. I, dude, I like But he's said, not the prettiest man out there. I've been a fan of the guy since he first came on my radar, which to my knowledge was Game of Thrones. I might have to deep dive to see if I've seen him in something prior to Game of Thrones, but he's not like, he's not the handsomest guy out there. He's not super jacked. Okay. Well, he, he's not Chris Hemsworth. We're just going to say it. He's not Hemsworth. Um, no, but you know, he's, he's a wonderful leading man and an incredible actor, you know, Carl Weathers. Okay. Back in the day, Carl's Carl Weathers could have been maybe compared to Chris Hemsworth. Cause Weathers was jacked back in the day when he was playing, uh, yeah, he was. when he was playing Apollo Creed and his voice and dude. his voice is his awesome. Voice. Yeah. Well, yeah. Weathers melts we- butter. Weathers used to be just melts fucking butter. just a muscle with eyeballs. Um, but, you know, he's obviously, he's in his uh, 60s, his mm-hmm. 60s. I'm going to say 60s, probably. Um, I mean, maybe even early 70s. I'm, I'm not sure what his age is exactly. I could, I'm not I could sure. Google it real know. quick, but I'd it doesn't matter. Google but he's it, obviously, but... he's, he's in his latter days. Um, but yeah, they're not, they, they're not casting supermodels to play these roles. I mean they're casting real people i mean i i hate to to use that people to look up to yeah yeah maybe maybe 
I mean, I mean, I, I, it's like I don't want, I, I don't feel like my kids are gonna have an eating disorder. Trying, like, my daughters will have an eating disorder, trying to live up to being as somebody that's like, you know, Gina, and she's by no means. I'm not saying she's a big gal. She's not. And she's muscular, but she, she's fucking. She's muscular. Buff. That's it. She's built. She, well, yeah. I mean, she's a fucking, pro fighter. She's jacked. But. I, I would. That's that to me is a body positive image for females. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing wrong no, with an no, idea no, of a girl being jacked. There's zero wrong with it. Um, absolutely and nothing and, wrong you know, with it. And like, and and like by no means is any of this to go to say that Gina Carino isn't an extremely attractive woman because she is. Oh. I mean, she's wow. beautiful. She's gorgeous. Yeah, and when she smiles, like she lights up the room. Wrong interpretation. Like she absolutely lights up yeah. the room when she smiles. Like I said, she is just wow. comes yeah. across when she's on camera. Like she is just an absolute sweetheart. Um, she's, she's, she is to me, she is what a woman should aspire to be really, truly. Yes. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I mean, that's that's my feeling. Is there there's uh, and maybe that's just my my what people should aspire to be in general. A, a, a nice person, true of heart, you know, walk quietly, carry a big stick, kind of thing. Is you don't fuck. There there is no question you don't fuck with the gal. Um, but at the same time, I don't think you need to ever feel like you need to. Oh no! Yeah, she, no. The, she she was not going to give you a reason that makes you feel like you, you need to. It's like, but the that's a quality in a person. I think it, male or female is something to aspire to, and I think that's what it. She's just one of those genuine people that I think is just a just a a true person. You know? Yeah, yeah. I, but any, I tell my son to fucking, I tell my son to be like her if I, you know, I have no problem with that. Ah, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, if, there's nothing wrong with with a with a a young man looking up to her, for sure. How, I, what's there not to look up? But to? exactly, but you know, I mean, you could you could point to you know? to all of them, to all of them. I mean, you look at Warner Herzog. Look at what he's done in his career. He's a he's a You're hell right? of a guy to oh, aspire God. to, and uh, Carl Weathers again, a hell of a guy to aspire to. Bill Burr. Clancy Brown, almost everybody that's walked on that set and played a role on camera. I mean, okay, so he's an Ugnaught, but you got Nick Nolte voicing uh, Quill, you know? I mean, there's a lot of... And you can look at Nick Nolte and be like, yeah, well, look what happened, and be like, but yeah, but look what happened to him, and look what he's done since, and where he, how he is, I mean... He doesn't shy away, and he... It's like, I don't know. He's an inspiration to people that have been there. Oh, for sure. For sure. And he's also a good... Uh, he's also a good warning for people that question, well, what could happen if I do? <laughs> yeah, you know? you know, I mean, there's plenty of other cautionary tales out there that I think get should get highlighted more than Have Nick Nolte's. Right. He's he's the good. What can happen? Well, that's the that's the that's the good side of what. Well, could I mean, happen. that's the other side. I mean, because there's there's right. there's the one. There's everybody. Anybody that goes down that path, they all they all get on the freeway on the same ramp. But there's varying there's varying places, varying off ramps that those people jump off. Good of. way to describe it. Um, Good way to describe but, it. But, uh, I mean, look at, uh, oh, gee, top of my head, Charlie Sheen, for example. 
who's still mm-hmm. on that freeway, by the fucking way, as far as anybody knows. Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. is another wonderful example of the guy that took the right exit. Um, but he also, I believe, gives a lot of credit for Fair that price. to his wife. Um, you know, others are, I mean, you can look at the others from uh, freaking look at uh, Jimi Hendrix, Joplin, Cobain. It's like you look at some of the things that we lost due to people being on that highway and then they hit the lows of life and, you know, it's like it's sad. It's sad. Breaks my heart fucking every time, dude. Yeah, but, you know, Nick Nolte's come out the other side and and done some wonderful things on screen. Um, Always the inspiration. And then, like I said, and the inspirations, the one to say that, no, you still have a chance. If you've made it this far, if you're like this guy, you can pull yourself together. Hold, okay, so speaking of having a chance and inspirations, okay, we're completely not talking about Star Wars probably that much anymore for the rest of this episode, however long it lasts. But have you fucking seen the videos of Mike fucking Tyson training for his boxing comeback? No. Okay. Hop on Google right now or YouTube and look at these fucking videos because Mike fucking Tyson at 53 years of age is making his professional boxing comeback. And holy fucking shit, I think he beats 90 to 95% of the current active heavyweight division right now. He looks. The fact that that is such a high search. He looks fucking amazing. And his punches, every single one of them looks like death. All right, guys, here we go. Well, I'm going to even... Because you know I'm a fight fan. I'm a giant fight fan. I'm a giant boxing fan. Um, holy fuck, dude. Mike Tyson. Talk about a guy who went from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows and is now somewhere in the middle between those two points. He's kind. I I really hope he comes out this other end. Wow. Holy fuck. Yeah, dude. Do what? There's a video where the guy, the guy he's sparring or training with, he's got mitts on his hands, and he's got a full body pad, and he has to walk away because Tyson is hurting him through the body pad, digging those fucking shots in. And you look at his timing and his speed and his coordination. Dude, his speed is better than it his was. Speed, no, 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 his well, coordination. His speed is scary. Fucking insane. Mike fucking Tyson. Goddamn. 007-373-5963. If you know what those numbers mean, then you know what those numbers mean. If you don't know what those numbers mean, hop on the Google. But Tyson was a legend in his 20s. And fell from and grace just, I mean, hard. Yeah. But people still were rooting for him quietly. And then people stopped rooting for him when he really hit. Because I don't even... His bottom wasn't even after he went to jail for rape. His bottom was like no. biting, biting Holyfield's the biting ear off. Holyfield's ear. Who, by the yeah. way, Holyfield's making a comeback too. So there's video of Is Holyfield he? fucking sparring too. Wow, dude. Yeah, so, I mean, redemption. It's out there. 
We'll see. We'll see. Cause yeah, dude, I saw the I saw him hitting in the body pad. That guy with the freaking gloves and the body pad. Holy yeah, dude. When he when he shit. walks away from Tyson, it's not because he was repositioning for training. It's because Tyson hurt him. Tyson fucking hurt him, and he needed to step away. Okay, you gotta now. A lot of people that are in like our age bracket understand because they played Mike Tyson's punch out, which not punch out. Mike Tyson's punch out. Yes, which you heard me spouting those numbers out a few minutes ago. If you played punch out, you know what those fucking numbers mean. Mm-hmm. That's the code that took you straight to Mike Tyson. Oh god damn dude, that was crazy. That was crazy. But you know, I'm getting the sound in my ear that my headset is going to be unhappy with me soon. Oh, my headset so, died 20 minutes ago, bro. I'm talking to you like on my just on my cell phone normally. Hey, look at that. Look at he you're hardcore. I'm drunk. <laughs> you're That's a good way to I be. I brought a six-pack uh, so, into this okay. battle and those soldiers have fallen. Those soldier, you know, it's okay cuz I I brought at least oh, okay, I got a fifth of uh 100 proof southern comfort here and I've had a uh, total of four shots of it. So, I'm I'm pretty well in myself. Um and you know, all I can think to myself is Star Wars wise, way to get to get back there. I mean, I, I really hope for Tyson to come back, dude. I want Tyson to have a comeback and to redeem himself like Robert Downey Jr. did. Uh like you everybody hoped Charlie Sheen was doing and then you saw what Charlie Sheen did. Well, Charlie and Charlie Sheen's fall. Um Tiger Blood. Tiger Blood. Blood. That Tiger was a while Blood. ago. I mean, I don't think we can close the book on Charlie Sheen yet. Um, you know, in kind of the same, kind of in the same way that we shouldn't close, you know, whether you've been happy with the direction of, of some of star Wars or, or none of star Wars or all of star Wars, you know, there, the, the, the fandom is definitely segmented in one way or another. I mean, for the most part, not all of them. There's some people that love absolutely everything that's come down the pipe in the last few years. And that's great. Um, I'm one of the ones in the middle where I love a lot of it, but not all of it. And then there's people that just absolutely despise all of it. And that's fine. You're allowed to feel your feelings about something. Um, you know. Do you know what I realized, though, as we get go on with The Mandalorian? What's that? I am okay with my disappointment with Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. As long as I keep getting content I like. It doesn't all have to be content I like. No, it doesn't. But it as, doesn't. As, as long you're... as I keep getting content I like, I'm I'm in. Well, I mean, let's look at it like this. Love it or hate it, or love some of it and hate some of it, Star Wars has never been more alive than it is right now. It hasn't between the mm-hmm. movies, the Mandalorian, the shows that we have coming down uh, in the next year or two, the video games. I think Star Wars is as healthy as it's probably ever been, or it's at, at the very least it's as healthy as it's been in the last decade, decade and a half. You know, since Revenge of the Sith mm-hmm. was in the theaters. It's probably at its healthiest yeah. point for sure, and it's only going up. 
from here. It can't go down. It's not going to go down. We're at a plateau. Tell me that you're going to remember how you feel about Rise of Skywalker if we get a Knights of the Old Republic or Revan movie or trilogy, and it is fucking amazing, which carries on to another trilogy that's ama- you know, just as amazing. And the next thing you know, you have this sixth set of movies that's like, uh, you know, that's just fuckworthy. And it's amazing you're you're gonna tell me that you're gonna decry and be like well yeah but i still hate the entire entire universe and what disney did to it because of rise of skywalker yeah no i mean and i'm not saying you will if i get if i get to see the knights of the old republic stories translated to the big screen and I get to see a live-action Darth Revan, and I get to see that story played out in some place other than my imagination or some place other than on a video game, I will be incredibly happy. Unless it sucks, and then I'll be pissed. <laughs> right, but at the same time, if if they if they're learning anything from what Favreau's doing... And with what Filoni and him are doing, um, if they're learning anything, then I'm excited about the future of Star Wars production. Oh, so am I. But hey, since you brought up his name, and I have to imagine the answer to this is probably not only yes, but it's hell yes. Filoni's got to be a big KOTOR fan, right? He has to be. He has to be. There's no way he's not. How could you? Okay, um, I mean, there's no way, right? There's no way. I he's feel not. like Dave Filoni has. Uh, the thing is, if Dave Filoni wasn't into Star Wars, he would be playing World of Warcraft. Since he's into Star Wars, I he has to have played the entire MMO along with the other the games. I mean, our generation speaks to that. We are the video, the start of that video game generation. We are the reason those things were made. That's right. Us. We. Us. Fuck you, millennials. And your Fortnite. So, <laughs> that's right. God damn it. So, do I think that uh, us, if he's as big a Star Wars fan as he seems to be, worked on the Phantom Menaces and all those kind of things when that was going on, how could he have ignored Kotor. I mean, he he wouldn't have. He wouldn't have. I just would like now. I want to talk to him about Kotor. I want to talk to him about Kotor. If someone's got his phone number, would you hook me up so I can talk to him about Be- Kotor? God, there's some. Oh, dude. Yeah. Anyway, we're not gonna get too far into that because that's that's uh, brain waves and brain thoughts down. Yeah, another said, avenue you know, that- but I'm you know I'm replaying Kotor two right now, so Kotor is kind of sitting pretty heavy on uh, my yes, mind. Yes, I do. So. Oh, a lot of that is sitting pretty heavy on my mind, but it's not. I'm not at free, freedom to discuss that, and I will one day maybe. Anyway, but and you know why? But IP motherfuckers. Because it's just musing. Um, it's just us us dreaming. Uh, but spitballing. The point We're spitballing is that stuff, you know because that's what we do. Yeah, is we we have a we have two creative minds that actually I think your creative mind works different than mine. But uh, yes. but we have two creative Without minds who um, 
you know, we like to play and That's we, like, we, collaborate and we like to speculate so well. and we like to collaborate and we like to cooperate and we like to, we like to do all the rates. We, anyway, we like to do all the rates. Um, we're rated. We're rated. That's right. Keep rating us. Thumbs up. Um, anyway. Anyway. You were saying. You, you, anyway. Anyway. So we just. We, we like to spitball and throw stuff out there, and it, it's it's a good time. It's one of those things that we like to do because it also sharpens our ability to forecast maybe what they might do down the pipeline. Yeah, you know, we you it's know? fun. It's fun. We talk. We as much as we talk to you guys over the internet with microphones and 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 uh, podcasts and all this other stuff. We talk to each other over text and over phone, like. We were on the phone for what an hour and a half before we hit record on the podcast tonight. Yeah, so there's other things that we're looking at, and if we ever are do have the ability and the freedom to discuss them, then yeah, I can't wait. Well, no, we I can't have wait the to ability to discuss in. them, but we we I mean we could we could spill all the beans on a podcast episode, but we're not going to until we have something to spill the beans about on a podcast episode. So in a way that that we can do it yeah that 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 it's yeah we yeah yeah I'm I'm like all cryptic about it like oh, I'm like Oh no a here here now people are going to be like Dude, buddy and I have a deal no we have no deals we have no nothing we just have him and I like spitballing ideas back and forth and that's it and that's it but and then we take that to hobby land But yes but due due to the nature of spitballing ideas you know, spitballed ideas posted on the internet can be stolen spitballed ideas. And so, you know, whether anything happens with any of our spitballs or not in the somewhat distant future, you know, we're just going to keep it close to the close to the shelf. But uh, do you know what I like about about keeping it close to the shelf and just and and trying to play it out and seeing how it all works? I, you always know if you don't say anything. That that person that had that idea, you got to look at him and say, damn, you had a fucking good idea, man. Yeah, but, you know, the sad part about Pete, I know a lot of people that had good ideas. And unfortunately, not very many of them made anything happen with those good ideas. So we're trying to be we're trying to be both ends of that loop is we're trying to have the good ideas and we're trying to do something with those good ideas. But we're also nobodies. I mean, I mean, we're not nobodies, nobodies. We're we're husbands and fathers and and employees of places and whatever. So we're not nobody. We don't fit we, into the entertainment but industry. But we have, is what we have zero connections to the entertainment industry. Like I said, my closest claim to fame to the entertainment industry is Kevin Smith hugged me twice, but I paid $250 for the privilege. But he hugged me twice. Um, that's my <laughs> I, claim. I think it's worth that it. is my, oh, it was, dude, it was totally worth it. That is a memory I'll carry to my grave. And if for some reason he ever hears this, Kevin, you were worth it. Um, but <laughs> I love it. That is my that is the closest connection I would ever have to an entertainment industry is that Kevin Smith hugged me twice, one time in Pittsburgh, PA. Yeah, I can't even I can't even claim that I got hugged by a Kevin Smith. Yeah, yeah, I hugged you, so that's close. I, I got nothing. Right, it's true, it's true. Is that I? I met I met Buddy one time. Oh, more than that, more than that. 
Yeah, well, I'm just talking about one of the times. Yeah, right, uh, right. Yeah, one of the one just know, one. I like to be mysterious. We are mysterious. Anyway, we're also rambling, and we're probably boring the fuck out of these good people. So, do you have anything else pertinent for Star Wars? For Star Wars, no. Um, I've drank enough alcohol, though, that I can no longer make out the numbers on the laptop screen telling me how long we've recorded. Long enough. Long enough, long enough okay. my friend. So, from all from here at my desk and from there at Buddy's chair, I'm I'm Guy. I'm Buddy, and we have spoken.